0: Educate, celebrate, connect, Arizona Hispanic Connection. Welcome, 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 to, welcome a- to AARP, Arizona Hispanic Connection. We have a very, very good shot today. As we always do, we always try to bring you very, very good information, especially on very important issues. Uh, Today, we will be addressing coronavirus once again. And the topic is coronavirus, we are in it together. Coronavirus, we are in it together. We have a special guest today. And, but before I introduce my guest, I would like to remind you that we do, uh, we are Facebook Live in this program, so you can join now if you would like to see uh, or uh, you know join us through Facebook Live, or you can always go back later and watch the video. We all, we do ask if you haven't done so to visit our page and to follow it and recommend it to others. Before I introduce uh, my guest today, I would like to read, just read something very brief, and it is, today we will continue to address the topic of coronavirus. COVID-19 touches two main arenas, healthcare and the economy, and both are of extreme importance. We will hear from a medical professional about this pandemic. Uh, Let me uh, introduce my guest. Uh, My guest is Dr. Nick Vasquez. Uh, Dr. Nick uh, Vasquez is a medical doctor. He has a master's in health services management, MHSM. He's also an emergency
1: physician.
0: He will be our uh, issue expert, our guest today, Doctor Vasquez. Are you there?
1: I am. I am. Can you hear me?
0: I can hear you perfect. And uh, first of all, thank you so very much being a, You are a doctor. You are a physician, so I can understand how busy you must be. And it is very. Uh, we are honored to have you uh, join
1: our show today. Oh, thank you very much. I uh, I really appreciate you having me and. I hope we make a good uh, a good show for people to listen to. I'm sure we will. And uh, I'm going to be uh, asking you some questions.
0: Uh, and you and I have uh, had some brief conversation. So as I said in my couple of sentences that I wrote, this matter of the coronavirus or the COVID-19, uh, in my estimation, and I think it's pretty accurate as we are living it, actually, it touches the arena of health care and the arena of the economy. So my first question to you, uh, Dr. Nick Vasquez,
1: what do we have before us? Uh, well, the word pandemic uh, just isn't big enough. Uh, but, you know, I, I guess the best way to understand uh, pandemic is that everything that humans do when we interact, put that at risk for having this virus. It's a brand new virus, coronavirus, uh, the COVID-19. We've never seen it before. We've never had it. And that means each and every single one of us are vulnerable to get it or will likely eventually all get it. It's it's uncertain, um, you know, what the future will bring, but everything that humans do gets impacted by a pandemic. Food services, restaurants, obviously, economy, movement of people, travel—all um, of the things that we count on—they all get impacted by by the virus. You you just can't have a wide enough lens to see the impacts. So this this is a,
0: a I mean, I personally uh, I'm 54 years old, and this is the first time I experience. Experience such a thing. I have to believe that this is not something new, that we've had this uh,
1: pandemics in the past. Well, so pandemics we've had, not in the United States, but I uh, not like this. Um, The last pandemic we lived through was H1N1, which was a couple of years ago. It was a sort of a novel coronavirus. And I mean, sorry, a novel influenza virus. And, And it just It affected some groups of people very, uh, very severely. Uh, If you remember, um, there was uh, swine flu affected uh, pregnant ladies, Zika virus uh, affected pregnant ladies, Um, you know, influenza H1N1 affected old people and young people. So we've had pandemics before, but not like this. Not to this extent. Um, You know, an influenza pandemic, we've we've done. We we get influenza every year. We're familiar with it. Uh, We get uh, vaccines and we hope that they work. But the influenza strain that predominates is always kind of a guess. So whenever we do influenza, you know, outbreaks or influenza season or influenza pandemic, it's a real challenge for the healthcare system. But the rest of society kind of goes along its, its business. That this is what we're used to. And in fact, when you hear some of these people say, well, it's just the flu, it's their way of saying, I really wish we could just treat it like the flu and go back to normal business.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, This is not just the flu. It is not the end of days either. But this novel coronavirus has a demonstrated ability to spread and spread quickly. Mm. The biggest problem with the coronavirus is compared to the prior pandemics that I've worked through. Whether it be the Ebola outbreak or SARS or MERS or uh, H1N1 or other influenza outbreaks, um, is that this one has a very uh, um, profound w- uh, ability to overwhelm healthcare systems. And, and I'll explain exactly what I mean. In my typical practice, a person with influenza. If they're going to be severely impacted, they get intubated, they put in the ICU, and maybe a couple of days, maybe a week, they get better, they get extubated, and they they come out of the ICU. And it takes days to week, uh, days to maybe a week, maybe. Uh, Some cases people don't survive, but that's within that period of time, the week. In coronavirus, the people who have severe disease have it bad enough that they have it for weeks to months. I've admitted a patient at the beginning of April, and as we sit here today, that person is still in the ICU. Wow. We don't have the ICU capacity, the hospital capacity, the staff, the uh, the medicines, the, uh, the sheets, the per- personal protective equipment, everything that we use in the healthcare system, we don't have enough for people who take weeks to months to get better. Mm. That's what's different. Wow. Yeah.
0: So, uh, you know, first of all, you know, we typically uh, say to veterans, thank you for your service. At this point, we are beginning to understand the value of healthcare professionals. And I think it's fair to say thank you for your service in, uh, you know, helping uh, the country to deal with this in a very direct way. Uh, As a a professional, of course, you don't want to get sick because you have to help others. But as a human being, just as a person, how concerned are you for your own, uh, I guess, uh, health how uh, that you can, you may get this virus?
1: Well, I guess I can put it this way, more than I was before coronavirus. Um, you know, when you work in healthcare, you always have to take standard precautions. HIV has been uh, endemic in our, uh, and a present in our world for the last 40 years. So every time you work uh, in healthcare system. Need to take standard precautions to make sure that you're not exposed to bloodborne pathogens like HIV and hepatitis C. And of course, people can come in and cough in your face and give you a cold or, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, but uh, this is different. Now, uh, I, I won't lie and say that I haven't worried about it, but I will say that this is the first time. That I have observed among my uh, my brethren, my colleagues, and the uh, staff that I work with, a uh, real anxiety. Mm. Um, I, I guess that's a fair way of saying it. Um, this is difficult for people. Uh,
0: now, the is it a dream that uh, to think that this is going to go away? You have, uh, you sent me a couple of points that says that this virus has uh, demonstrated the ability to grow and spread quickly and overwhelm the healthcare system. And then until we resolve the pandemic, things won't be normal. So, what could we fairly expect uh, for the near and long term?
1: Well, okay. So I'll be happy to answer that question. But for your listeners, just so they know where I'm coming from, just so they they can check to see whether they believe me or not. So on one part, I'm a physician, Uh, an emergency physician. I've practiced for 18 or sorry, for 15 years in uh, Arizona. And I've been doing medicine uh, for 18, almost 19 years. The other part, I have a master's degree in health sector management, which was part um, you know, public health, part uh, MBA. And the last thing is I've served as the uh, president of the Arizona College of Emergency Physicians. And I went through voluntarily uh, the Flynn Brown Civic Academy uh, or Civic Leadership Academy a couple of years ago. It gives me a perspective on Arizona's economy, on Arizona's community uh, culture, as well as I understand the economics of healthcare. Mm. So when we talk about a pandemic, what this pandemic will, will do is keep going until we reach one of three endpoints. So the first endpoint is the most hopeful one, which is we all get a vaccine and get it distributed out to people. That that would be the best option. That saves the most lives. It allows us to return back to our normal lives. It allows the economy to be reopened. The other option is the not-so-good one. Everybody gets infected. Mm -hmm. And as soon as people get infected, we hope and believe that they have some level of immunity to the coronavirus and so that they can go back out into the economy without worrying about their health. So, if everybody gets infected is one option and uh, a vaccine is the other option, those should be considered the two ends of the spectrum. Mm. There's some countries that are not shutting things down and letting it run its course, and that's the I get everybody infected route. The Mm. other route is to wait for the vaccine, and in the middle is what we're doing shut things down for a short period of time and then slowly reopen the economy. So that while people are getting infected, the people who get the most sick are able to get care within the healthcare system and that healthcare system hasn't been overwhelmed. Well, what I've uh, read. Uh, go okay, ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say what I've read, and we all know the future like you do, but what I've read from places like Morgan Stanley Investment Bank. Or from uh, you know from other physicians uh, around the country, from the American Enterprise Institute, from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, from anybody I can get my hands on, all of the plans acknowledge that this pandemic doesn't end at the earliest until mid 2021. Hmm.
0: Well, this brings me to uh, another question, uh, Doctor Nick Vasquez. Um, from the health standpoint, what should be considered before reopening the economy? Because we have began to hear, uh, you know, phases of opening the economy. I I'm I I'm glad that you mentioned the, where your master's. Uh, you know, where you got your master's the arena or the area, and you kind of, uh, I foresee that you have like both sides of the spectrum the economy on the, on the one side, and then healthcare. So, from the healthcare standpoint, what
1: should be considered before reopening the economy? Well, so you have to, in medicine, always balance help with harm. You know, uh, this is a common problem that we have. In healthcare, if you want to give somebody a drug, you need to think about the side effects. If you want to do a surgery, you need to know, are they well enough to be able to go through with it? Like, what's the benefit? What's the harm? There was uh, a really interesting study done by the Imperial College of London about this very thing. What's the harm of shutting down the economy and what's the benefit? And their conclusion was that in the United States, we... Sacrificed our economy for a short period of time, costing us 22 million jobs mm-hmm. to save somewhere between two to four million lives. Wow. The, when we reopen the economy, and it's not an if, we can't stay closed forever. This will reopen. But when we reopen the economy, my question for our leadership and my question for your, your listeners is. What's the plan to control the virus? Because if there's not one, then we're back into one end of that spectrum, which is everybody gets it. And it's just how fast everybody gets it is the real problem. I spent a period of time in West Africa in 2007, just a, a medical mission. I was in Liberia. I didn't you know, spend long. It was about two weeks, but I got to know the Liberians very well. Several years later, they had an Ebola outbreak. And that Ebola outbreak became quite the epidemic in, in West Africa. Well, the healthcare system shut down. People started getting sick, uh, and some people started dying. So the folks stopped showing up to work uh, in West Africa. And while 15,000 people in West Africa died of Ebola, there was some 250 to maybe 500,000 people who couldn't get access to healthcare for basic stuff that also died. The limit that I worry about is, is the healthcare system going to get overwhelmed? Because at that point, basic healthcare can't be given to people. Mm. On the other side, how do we get people to trust it's safe to go back out? And that's my worry right now is that we're being presented with a false choice. Like, we need to lift up these stay-at-home orders, which right now are our best tool for, uh, for stopping the virus growth. If we lift up the stay-at-home orders, some people will choose to go out, and they should. Some people will choose to stay home. But right now, I'm just wondering, what's our plan to control the virus growth? I understand that people are hurting. I've seen domestic violence. I've seen depression. I've seen uh, hunger. These are harms. These are things that we need to balance. The governor is going to make uh, his decision, um, hopefully with the best data uh, and with the idea of balancing help and harm. For me and for the other people in the healthcare system, we would like to ask for three things. We would like for uh, the healthcare system and fire departments and police departments and nursing homes to have enough personal protective equipment to protect them from potentially getting sick. That's one. Number two, we'd like much more testing. We just need to have more testing. We don't have anywhere nearly enough. Um, some plans have called for uh, the ability to do millions of tests a day, um, and I think we're around 100 to 150,000 tests can be run a day across the United States. We need to be able to test to see if people have it since there are people who spread it asymptomatically. Right. Right. And the last one is then we need an army of people willing and able to do what's called contact tracing or some way in which we inform people hey, by the way, we think you've got coronavirus or you were exposed to coronavirus. Because otherwise, we're just back to that free for all where we just let everybody right. get it and see what happens.
0: So you mentioned in the points that you sent to me that there has to be something in place as we reopen the economy uh, and something other than staying at home. Would you like to add any scenarios that, uh, that you see as potential measures that will be taken as the economy is reopened?
1: Uh, well, right now, the one that I'm most familiar with is testing and then contact tracing. So mm-hmm. just uh, allowing anybody who wants to get a test to get a test. Uh, we can't do that right now. Uh, and we don't do that. Um, just, uh, just as an aside, like as a physician, last time I practiced, I had at least five people that I was pretty sure had coronavirus, and I didn't test a single one of them. The reason I didn't test a single one of them is because they were well enough to go home, although there was one person I was worried about. Um, but they were well enough to go home, and so we are rationing our tests because we don't have enough. Um, I would really love to know whether they had it or not. Now, the tests aren't perfect. They've got problems. Uh, they really depend upon how you collect them. But one, we'd love to be able to do testing. Second part is we'd love to be able to give people information to make better choices. People are free to do as they wish, and that's not going to change. Uh, You know, people have the right to choose whatever they like. And as a physician, I'm comfortable with that. Uh, I'm comfortable with letting people make choices for themselves. I, I think, you know, given the right information, they'll make good choices. But right now, you just don't even have the ability to get that information as an individual. You can't make an informed decision. Well, do I have coronavirus or do I not? I've had this conversation with my patients all the time. Well, I think you do. I don't know that you do, but I believe that you do. So I want you to act like you do. Well, what about the folks at home? Well, okay, they should monitor themselves for a fever for the next two weeks. In no world going forward is I'm monitoring for a fever for two weeks and I'm stuck at home, normal economy. So no matter what we do, like we're going to live under a pandemic, our economy is not going to be normal. Because people will have to behave like there's a virus out there. Mm -hmm. And I'm worried that if we lift all the stay-at-home orders, people will do what they have to do to survive. And as part of that, we'll end up spreading the virus around. Now, I don't want our government to interdict people's freedoms, but I would just like to know what the plan is to slow down the spread of the virus. Right.
0: If you had to mention or name one item in the monitoring of someone having or not having the coronavirus, what would be the
1: one item? Um, The one thing that I've seen that is really interesting um, isn't present in all cases of coronavirus, but it's the one thing that is unique to coronavirus, and that's loss of smell and taste. That is a symptom that seems to be unique to this coronavirus. Um, so if any of your listeners have experienced a loss of uh, smell or a loss of taste, it, it's highly likely that they have coronavirus. Got it. Uh,
0: we have just about three minutes um, or so, and let me post the last question. As we continue to navigate this pandemic, Do you have any reminders for us?
1: Um, Well, two, because I think it's really important to end on positive notes. So the first positive note is that this does end. It will end. There will be an end to this. Um, there's, um, There's always an end to pandemics, and this will come. I'm not sure when, but it will come. So we have to have just faith that that day will come. And the second thing is the best way to kind of get through this pandemic is to stay connected to people. People are social. It's hard to stay at home. It's hard to be isolated. My, my, I don't know about yours, but my family's a little stir-crazy right now. It's just really important to kind of keep your strength up and stay connected to the people that you love as much as you can. Uh, I, I think that will buoy us through these, through these next couple of months to a year.
0: I see. So those are reminders. Uh, We still, I, first of all, I appreciate very much you being on our show. I personally are getting the feeling and the knowledge that I think sometimes is missing out there with the rhetoric. And it's, uh, I perceive that this is something
1: very serious and it has to be taken uh, as such, correct? Correct. Uh, The nice thing about a pandemic is the awful thing about a pandemic. Uh, It is true whether you believe it or not. Mm. It will affect you whether you want it to or not. It will continue to be here whether it works for us or not. I want this thing to go away yesterday. Uh, I would love to get back to normal life. Mm. Um, and, And I'm the lucky guy who still has a job. I'm cognizant of the wide impact that this has had. But I think in the rhetoric, we've lost the idea that this is a health crisis first. Mm. And as long as people distrust whether or not it's safe for them to go to, say, Disneyland, or safe for them to get on an airplane, or safe for them to sit at a bar next to somebody who's coughing, our economy will be impacted because consumer choice will be different. And, I, and until this pandemic ends, it's my belief that that's, that's going to mean we don't have a return to normal for some time. Dr.
0: Nick Vasquez, uh, Medical Doctor, Masters in Health Services Management and Emergency Physician. Thank you so very much for joining. This is
1: all the time for now. Thank you so very much. Uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. I wish it was on Happier Circumstances got
0: it and stay with us we'll follow up with the Spanish show this uh, was AARP Arizona Hispanic Connection we'll be right back